1: Welcome to Lockbox. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I am here with Kyle Siebeth. Kyle, thanks for being with us.
0: No problem. Thank you so much for having me on.
1: Absolutely. So why don't you first start off by telling our listeners who you are and where you're from.
0: So I am a real estate agent and owner of Century 21 um, Limitless in the New England area. We're from my office right now is in Seacock, Massachusetts. I also own and operate uh, seven other offices throughout Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and Connecticut. Currently, we have 160 agents and I still sell real estate at a super high level. So the brokerage runs itself. I myself, I go out there and, and sell um, sell real estate. That's what we do.
1: And he's being modest. He <laughs> was the number one real estate agent in the nation, right? And right. Uh, you know, your volume is around 140 million a year.
0: Yeah, so we uh, I do about 140 a year this year on pace to hopefully um, surpass that. You know, just kind of work with buyers, work with sellers, and, and get stuff closed, You're an ABC.
1: That's right. That's right. And with that being said, we'll definitely dive into that. But I, I'm curious, what got you into the real estate industry in the beginning?
0: So I got into this because I had a passion for and saw some interest. So saw that one of the best ways to make Money to build equity to build wealth was from real estate. Purchased the four-unit and on the on the commission stop rather on the CD at the time saw mm-hmm. the commission for the realtor. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa! That lady, you know, <laughs> she didn't really do a heck of a lot, and she made a pretty good penny from you know where I was at at that time. I was like, that's not bad. It's uh, you know, it's pretty solid. So end of the day, it was it was a passion of mine to get into real estate, and then it kind of turned into what it is today.
1: Got it. Now yeah, that makes. Makes total sense. Yeah, so I kind of got into it from the investment side as well. I uh, had a property that was willed to me when I was 16 from actually my father. So unfortunately, my father passed away when I was young, but I'm grateful for the time I had with him. And an unexpected result of that is that he willed the family home to myself and my three sisters. And shortly after Mm -hmm. that, I read uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And so my sisters and I, we decided let's let's keep the house, let's not sell it right away, let's try and turn it into an investment. And so over the next, you know, eight, ten years, I bought all my sisters out and then, you know, continued to cash flow it and then sold it actually just recently for like a three hundred K profit. So that was my first introduction into real estate as well, it was like kind of from the investor side and being like, Oh man, this is and after reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I decided this is a viable way to build financial freedom and wealth. So totally understand where you're coming from there. So now with your current volume, you know, 140 million, what would you say to a broker out there or an agent that might be 60, 80 million? Of course, they're, they're now looking at the next step of breaking hundred million. So what kind of levers could they be pulling? What should they be focusing on in order to get there to that next level?
0: Oh, so one kind of mindset thing I would say is stop watching the scoreboard, and I think it's mm. important because I think a lot of like in the last ten years I don't I don't watch the, I pay attention to it but I don't watch it. And what I mean by that is I let the money, I don't let the income drive the results. I don't let the income be the driver of how I'm going to act. I don't let the income be the drive. I still treat transactions like they're very important, and every buyer or seller is just as important as the next one. So for me, I think what happens is we, when we get to a level we feel like we hit someone on the ceiling, we start to clock watch, we start to watch the scoreboard, we start to get in a position where the, you know, all that we're worried about and focused on is that volume, right, is the numbers. And we forget what got us there. And I think if, if you take what got you there and you pour gasoline on it and you expand upon and you exasperate everything that you've done, you have a better chance to blow through those hurdles. The other thing I would say is don't allow what other people tell you is not possible or feasible to become in your, to really enter your mental space, right? So I never let anyone tell me how much, how much volume or how many transactions was possible. I just kind of went and just
1: did it. I love that. I love both those mindset concepts. And in your brand story video on YouTube, you did mention, you know, real estate is not about buying or selling. And, Mm I'll let you kind of explain what you said after that, because you were speaking at a conference and everyone was waiting to hear how you did 500 plus units that year. And it seems like that was one of the opening statements that you made. Real estate is not about buying and selling. So what is it about?
0: It's not it's about relationship building. It's whether you're selling real estate, widgets, um, cars, whatever. It's about building trust. It's about building reputation, credibility, and relationships with people that will continue to utilize you in whatever service you provide. So, for me, whether you're set, whether you're an electrician, you're a realtor, you're whatever that that path is that you're on. If you're in some sort of ownership or sales capacity it's about body to body. It's about contact. It's about money. It's about nose to nose, you know, interactions. And, and that to me holds much more value than me helping you buy or sell a property. So that's just the, that's just the, you know, the cause and effect, right? So the, the cause effect of the situation, I happen to be in real estate, whether I was in another right. um, position or whatever, you know, that, that's just what it is. So for me, it's so much bigger than that, right? And it's about understanding how to grow a business. And it's about understanding how as a service a service provider, we can provide exemplary customer service and we can be able to provide a level of, of wherewithal and knowledge and, and, and different things that no one else is able to do.
1: Yep. Love that. Makes total sense. And a relationship focus has been common through myself okay. interviewing top 1% brokers all over the nation. So I guess there's a trend there, right? <laughs> um, yeah. What is the single most important action you take on a daily basis that has attributed most to your success? Is there any, any one thing that you really do? Just like, man, this, this right here.
0: I think it's the action is that every day is Monday and I call it Monday fun day. You know, And what I mean by that is the action is to get up and, and, and make it happen. Right. So getting up, making it happen, not, not having a day where I'm like, I don't feel like doing anything right? I don't want to do that today. I don't feel like doing this. You know, it's, it's really a function of getting that mind started from the beginning and saying, hey, I have to conquer today. I have to do with staff, whether it's employees, whether it's my children, whatever that is. If I can't provide the best form of me and I have that mentality, then I'm not going to be able to get to those results I want. And I think that's a big factor is how do you look at the day? How do you tackle the day? And and what do you go, what do you do from
1: there? Right No, that makes sense. And every day is Mondays is a cool way to put it because I mean, when you're in real estate, really, it is one of the things in your brand story video that also stuck out to me, which I think was a great thing to include is like, you're kind of talking to buyers or sellers at this point, you're like, Hey, are you a morning person? Great. And it shows you like on the treadmill texting. And then it's like, Mm -hmm. are you a night owl? Awesome. Me too, right? Like sleep is the thing that interrupts what I love to do, which is, you know, selling real estate, helping people buy real estate, first time home buyers, like, you really hit a lot of different areas in in your uh, discussion or in your brand story video. My question is, you know, what percentage of referral business is, I guess, what percentage of your business is referral? And then what percentage is like new from lead generation sources?
0: 50 to 60 is referral for sure. Either referral or past business. I would say uh, lead sources that are paid for organically or that are not paid, I mean, rather inorganically or they're not paid for organically, I would say probably 15 to 20% and the rest is miscellaneous stuff.
1: Right. So you probably
0: have, yeah, you probably have 85% come from lead sources and um, and or referral repeat business. And that's pretty consistent no matter how many deals I do.
1: Do you have some systems in place to increase the amount of referrals that you receive?
0: So I'm, I'm a very focused person on connecting and contacting my past clients. And the database system that I have in place for my investors has been great. do a lot of video stuff where we send video out to a lot of our clients and whether they're past, present, or current clients, or uh, future clients, whatever that looks like. We definitely do a lot of video um, and the video is content that's, that's valuable. We're not just providing nonsense. We're not just putting our figure, like we're not just putting my face on a non-branded piece of content. It's all content with me talking, me talking about what I see and trying to add value.
1: Got it. And I'm curious, kind of in line with that, what has been your number one most profitable lead generation source outside of referrals? So you mentioned, you know, you're sending out a lot of valuable content. And that about 15 or 20% is coming from like paid traffic is, you know, a lot of agents there, they say that I actually surveyed thousands of real estate agents. And they said the number one thing, holding them back from not doing more transactions was because they didn't have a consistent flow of qualified leads. So that's a huge question for a lot of agents. And so, you know, I'm curious for someone that might not have the the database or the momentum yet with the referrals, you know, what's been your number one, you know, like paid traffic lead generation source
0: would say zillow for, without a doubt um, zillow okay. is definitely the number one zillow is surely the number one paid traffic source that i think has, has been and, and i think the reason is is very simple when i go to buy a loaf of bread or i go to buy an apple or an orange or banana i go to the grocery store when i go to buy a house i go to zillow so why if i'm gonna sell bananas or apples or oranges why wouldn't i sell them through the grocery store right why wouldn't I participate? Why wouldn't I want to be somewhere where all the eyeballs go? So for me, Zillow right now in this market, as much as people hate them, is really where all the consumers go. And the consumers are what we need to convert into possible clients. So that's a big factor for me.
1: Yeah, that's that's a great point. And along those lines, you mentioned there's this distaste for Zillow. Where do you think the industry is heading you know what are your five 10 year projections and what are you doing right now to also set yourself up for future success
0: I think I would I should say this unfortunately for real estate agents people don't transact in real, transact in real estate enough to be able to participate in any sort of online only platforms I think it sounds good and it's sexy and it's a great idea I list buy or whatever iBuyers or we list online or Mm-hmm. For sale, but there's a reason why for sale by owners. Everyone doesn't sell by themselves. There's a reason why um, people need an agent. And I think my the hardest part of my job is not fi- finding the buyer house. It's taking it from the time they find the house till the closing. There's so many things that happen. You're dealing with so many different individuals, lenders, lawyers, buyers, sellers, other agents, fire department, inspectors, appraisers, like. There's too many pieces of the puzzle and there's too much liability in there for the entire shift to happen away from individual agents. So I don't know what the disruptor is. I know Redfin obviously compass. You've got some big disruptors out there that are trying to come into place. But I think at the end of the, I think at the end of the day, um, I think at the end of the day, the disruptor will be some sort of Zillow Zillow disruptor. In my opinion, you're going to see another Avenue where people start to, Disrupt MLS. They post their properties, but I think real estate agents are always going to be in demand. And and you know it depends which one can change with the technology.
1: Yep, I tend to agree, and that's why my agency is here to actually assist real estate professionals to upgrade their technology, their online marketing, and their presence. Because at the end of the day, people do want a trusted local professional, someone that lives yes. there. And so I'm a big believer in that as well. Now it's easy from the outside to look at your success and just have this fallacy that, you know, you were kind of like born into this. It came easy. But I'm sure that there were a lot of struggles and failures along the way. So, you know, I have favorite failures in my entrepreneurial journey. I'm curious, do you have a favorite failure of yours that set you set you up for later success?
0: So, I, I'll start. I'll even rewind a little bit. So, first of all, not only was I not born into this, I don't have a network of wealthy individuals. I'm not around people. Like, I didn't come up from an area, very middle-class, working middle-class, very, you know, not anything special that you'd be like, oh, I get it. You'd probably be like, I don't get it because it's not, you know, it's kind of like the middle range, right? So you have those folks that grew up and had, you know, a lot of affluent people around. So they had the nice network that they could kind of pick around and, and work with. Then you have the folks that come from nothing who have that drive and ambition to get out of nothing, right? But the ones in the middle that really don't, you know, they'll typically go that nine to five route because they're 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 comfortable. So I tried to break that mold, right? Tried to break that mold. And I think the biggest fail, the, the favorite failure, I guess I would say is when one of my good friends bought a property maybe seven years ago now and decided that he thought I wasn't good enough in this business. So he was going to work with someone else. So for me, like that was a good, that was a good humbling experience where I was like, hmm. This guy's not going to work with me right at the end of the day. So, you know, maybe there's something I need to change. And it kind of drove me. It put a little bit of a pit in my stomach and gave me that fire I needed to move on and then continue to where I'm at now.
1: Yeah, makes sense. Sometimes a a chip on the shoulder can do wonders and just Mm -hmm. wake you up from a, a level of complacency or a plateau. So I totally appreciate that. And I'm curious, nowadays, you have so much going on. When you feel overwhelmed or unfocused, do you have any questions that you ask yourself to help get back on track?
0: I mean, it happened this morning. I mean, every day, there's so many. I get hit from so many different angles. Um, so wow. I have a driver. He wasn't in today. Um, so I didn't have my driver today. So push me way out of my comp, like push me out of whack, right? So I need things to kind of fall into place so I can continue to do what I do. Push me out of whack. Then we had a bunch of issues at the office with the staff trying to get that all situated. So, you really have to just say to yourself, it's a good problem to have, it's okay. It wouldn't be here if you couldn't solve it. Figure it out and let's move on. And I really try to solve problems very quickly. And the reason to solve them so quickly is so I don't get hung up on anything and it pushes me way behind the eight ball, right? So Mm. I'll I'll always make sure that I try to solve problems very quickly.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Especially when routine things are thrown out of whack. It's so easy to get derailed. So that makes total sense. I know we only have a couple minutes left here. Your time's super valuable and I appreciate it. Uh, Just a couple more questions. In the last five years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life?
0: I would say in the last five years, it's the ability to delegate. The habit of delegating things I'm not good at and delegating
1: non-income producing activities
0: and delegating Mm. things that I don't want to do has probably been one of the biggest habits. Outside of that is becoming allowing yourself to be who you are and who you want to be and be open-minded in the sense that, hey, look, I know that I have a, you know, I know I was put here for some reason and I know that the universe is going to bring me to whatever level I deserve and I should be at. But if I can, if I stay closed-minded and I don't try to grow and I don't become uncomfortable, become comfortable being uncomfortable, I'll never get there. So I think it was really adopting those mindsets at the same time as um, making sure that you, know, you continue to stay humble and work really hard.
1: Yeah. I love the delegation piece. You know, it's mm-hmm. difficult to do. It's easier to do on things that you don't like doing, but it's hard to do on things that you enjoy doing, but they're not income producing. And a, con- a concept that I've heard, which helped me a lot, and hopefully it'll help my listeners. If you're wondering at what level should you be paying people to delegate? Well, take your GCR from last year and divide by Basically 2000, because if you divide by 2000, that is the average amount of working hours. If you work 50, 40 hour weeks and take two weeks off, it's 2000 hours. So I know that real estate professionals work 60, 80 hour weeks a lot, but it's a good metric to look at what's your hourly rate. And then once you break down your GCI to an hourly rate now, anything below that you should outsource. And that's been a really good concept for me because it helped clarify like, okay, if my hourly rate is a hundred bucks an hour. I can outsource almost everything that I don't want to do mm-hmm. for less than $100 an hour, right? And then you can focus on income producing activities. So, Yeah,
0: no, I, I never heard that. That's a good one. That's new. That's different.
1: Awesome. Glad I added value to you as well. So last question here, you know, is there a question that I should have asked you or anything that you'd like to elaborate on from earlier?
0: No, I think one thing that I'm working on now is really trying to put some coaching stuff in place, uh, working on getting a nice coaching program together. So that we can help build not only strong agents that have the confidence to go out there and master buyers or sellers, but to have a mindset that allows them to be able to understand objections, understand the word no, and how to battle through that in a way that they can be successful and get to levels that they never thought were possible. So I think the coaching piece is a big piece for
1: me. I love that. And it's it's a natural next step. You know, once you've achieved success, it's uh, an amazing gift to give back to the world. And, you know, the smart ones will pay for that because it'll shortcut their success. So with that being said, how can listeners contact you if they're interested?
0: Uh, Easily, you guys can text me, uh, you can call me, uh, or you can head on any of my social media. My number is 508-726-3492. Email is kyle at cbithteam.com. And then all social media, if you just search Kyle Siebeth, you will get 8,000 million things up there.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Kyle Siebeth, everyone. Top producing real estate professional and soon to be coach. I really appreciate your time and having you on. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening. If you want to accomplish your real estate goals, then I highly suggest downloading my free Ultimate Real Estate Goal Setting Framework. The link is in the description of the show.